The Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up. We gather to worship God together, to illumine the imagination by the beauty of God, to quicken the conscience by the holiness of God, to warm the heart by the love of God, to devote the will to, per to the purposes of God. The liturgy, music, and homily are offered here for our gathered congregation in Marsh Chapel, for our radio congregation across New England at WBUR 90.9 FM, and for our internet listenership around the globe at WBUR.org. We welcome your prayerful and material support, your written or emailed responses, your decisions, self-selections of forms of ministry in our midst, and as the Spirit moves, your presence with us come Sunday. Especially this Sunday, we welcome our Boston University alumni and our Inner Strength Gospel Chorus and our alumni of our Inner Strength Gospel Chorus. This is the day that the Lord has made. We shall rejoice and be glad in it. As we are able, may we stand in the praise of God.
Almighty and merciful God, it is only by your gift that your faithful people offer you true and laudable service. Grant that we may run without stumbling to obtain your heavenly promises. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Please be seated. In the poetry of the great scholar of the Hebrew scripture, R.B.Y. Scott, we pause for individual confession and prayer. O day of God, draw nigh in beauty and in power. Come with thy timeless judgment now to match this present hour. Bring to our troubled minds, imperfect and afraid, the quiet of a steadfast faith, calm of a call obeyed. May we pray. God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believeth in him might not perish, but have eternal life. Beloved, hear the good news. If we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Thanks be to God. A lesson from the book of Joshua, chapter 3 verses 7 through 17. The Lord said to Joshua, This day I will begin to exalt you in the sight of all Israel, so that they may know that I will be with you as I was with Moses. 
You are the one who shall command the priests who bear the Ark of the Covenant. When you come to the edge of the waters of the Jordan, you shall stand still in the Jordan. Joshua then said to the Israelites, Draw near and hear the words of the Lord your God. Joshua said, By this you shall know that among you is the living God, who without fail will drive out from before you the Canaanites, Hittites, Hivites, Perizzites, Girgashites, Amorites, and Jebusites. The Ark of the Covenant of the Lord of all the earth is going to pass before you into the Jordan. So now select 12 men from the tribes of Israel, one from each tribe. When the soles of the feet of the priests who bear the Ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, rest in the waters of the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan flowing from above shall be cut off. They shall stand in a single heap. When the people set out from their tents to cross over the Jordan, the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant were in front of the people. Now the Jordan overflows all its banks throughout the time of harvest. So when those who bore the Ark had come to the Jordan, and the feet of the priests bearing the Ark were dipped in the edge of the water, the waters flowing from above stood still, rising up in a single heap far off at Adam, the city that is beside Zarethan, while those flowing toward the Sea of the Arabah, the Dead Sea, were wholly cut off. Then the people crossed over opposite Jericho. While all Israel were crossing over on dry ground, the priests who bore the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood on dry ground in the middle of the Jordan until the entire nation finished crossing over the Jordan. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
Please join me in reading responsively from Psalm 107 with the antiphon. Thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, those he redeemed from trouble, and gathered in from the lands, from the east and from the west, from the north and from the south. Some wandered in the desert wastes, finding no way to an inhabited town. Hungry and thirsty, their soul fainted within them. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He led them by a straight way until they reached an inhabited town. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wonderful works to humankind. For he satisfies the thirsty, and the hungry he fills with good things. He turns rivers into a desert, springs of water into thirsty ground a fruitful land into a salty waste because of the wickedness of its inhabitants. He turns a desert into pools of water, a parched land into springs of water. And there he lets the hungry live, and they establish a town to live in. They sow fields and plant vineyards and get a fruitful yield. Would you please stand together for the singing of the Gloria Patri and the reading of the Gospel.
The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to St. Matthew, chapter 23, verses 1 through 12. Glory to you, O Lord. Then Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, The scribes and the Pharisees sit on Moses' seat. Therefore, do whatever they teach you and follow it. But do not do as they do, for they do not practice what they teach. They tie up heavy burdens hard to bear and lay them on the shoulders of others. But they themselves are unwilling to lift a finger to move them. They do all their deeds to be seen by others, for they make their phylacteries broad and their fringes long. They love to have the place of honor at banquets and the best seats in the synagogues, and to be greeted with respect in the marketplaces, and to have people call them rabbi. But you are not to be called rabbi, for you have one teacher, and you are all students. And call no one your father on earth, for you have one father, the one in heaven. Nor are you to be called instructors, for you have one instructor, the Messiah. The greatest among you will be your servant. All who exalt themselves will be humbled, and all who humble themselves will be exalted. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. This week, you may need to make a choice through no planning or intention or design or fault of your own. And further, that choice may involve resistance. And with all your heart, you may want to resist the 
blandishments of an archetypal authority figure or the mood of a time, epoch, or culture, or your own ingrained habit, or the pleas of a friend, as Russell Lowell wrote, once to every person and group comes a moment to decide. You may want to resist. Resistance costs, costs sacrifice. The slings and arrows of experience in resistance are costly. Does the faith we share include this principled denial? I mean, the Apostle Paul said of God's grace in Christ, in him it is not yes and no, but always and only everlastingly yes. Does Jesus meet us in the mode of resistance? We'll scour the scripture. You remember, know, and love Daniel, of course. Daniel, who would not, who refused to give up his family heritage, his language, his extended being and found himself in a furnace with some friends. He would not blaspheme. He resisted. And he prayed to the God who answers prayers, and he was released. But Naboth, nearby in scripture, for Naboth's resistance came far more dear. He owned a vineyard, a humble man. In the time of King Ahab, who owned every other vineyard, in Jerusalem, you remember Ahab, but he wanted the one he didn't have. So human that. So he went to Naboth and said, I'm the king, I'd like your vineyard. Naboth resisted. The next evening he went again with a sterner tone and said, I'm the king, I'd like your vineyard. And Naboth refused. He went again the next morning and with a, a thread on his tongue and said, I want that vineyard. And Naboth said, no. And Ahab gave up. He went home and he mourned. Not so the queen, Jezebel, who took Naboth out. Resistance can cost you the king's friendship or your head or both. What was it about John of Patmos that put him on that craggy prison aisle about the year of the writing of Matthew? Chapter 2390, the reign of Domitian, the terror of Domitian. Was it something he said or wrote? Maybe about the synagogue, but more probably about Rome, Satan, beast, whore. There was something costly in John's resistance. It is in that context that we see the lovely, stark portrait of Jesus given by St. Matthew. Jesus himself, who embodies resistance, resistance to the authority of his day, to the religious authority of his day. Jesus has some harsh things to say about us, the clergy, some harsh things to say about religious leadership. Says he today, resist those who preach but do not practice.
practice. Resist those who love the facade but not the face of God. Resist those who ask much and give little. Resist those who dampen, darken your own best self. As the sermon emerged, walking the sanctuary this week, how could I not? I remembered you studying Bonhoeffer last winter, he who resisted in even our time and his great poetry and his hymn. God with us to the very end. Jesus meets us today in the mode of resistance. So welcome, one and all, to Marsh Chapel. The Gothic nave meant to inspire the spirit here welcomes you. The chapel's historic interest in people and personality, some of whom are in our conic stained glass, welcomes you. The chapel's love of music, an inner strength in chancel choir and congregation and organ, welcomes you. Chapel's interest in love and service in the community of salt and light, that is you, women and men, welcomes you. And today we celebrate our endowment. I announce with you that we have received a wonderful endowment, more precious than any we might have expected. It's already ours. Now, I'm not speaking about what you might think, though we certainly could use your support over time. (laughs) But we already have what we most need. It's an endowment vocal, not visible, audible, audible, though not audited, psychic, not physical, moral, not material. It is the endowment to Marsh Chapel of voice over many decades. Can you hear the echoes? Do all the good you can at all the times you can, John Wesley. Unite the two so long, disjoined learning and vital piety, his singing brother Charles. A heart for the city, a service for the city, third president Merlin. Good friends all, learning virtue piety, Daniel Marsh. Hope of the world, thou Christ of great compassion, Georgia Harkness. Are ye able, said the master, to be crucified with me, Dean Marlott? Common ground, Howard Thurman. Content of character, Martin King. Now expand the heart for a moment and feel not just Marsh and our vocal endowment, but the gift to the inhabited world of that voice at its truest, a tradition of principled refusal resistance. Ah, the prophetic voice. Brueggemann said rightly, the prophetic word is an undying, a relentless hope that will not give in to despair. When we hear these promises, we just sung them. They sound so far off. The lion shall lay down with the lamb. The earth shall be full of the glory of God as the water covers 
the sea. All flesh shall see it together. It sounds so far away. And yet here it is, embodied in your personal endowment. Oh, you may not actually need this this week. It may be 10 or 20 years from now when you need to draw on the endless bank account of this tradition of principled resistance. Go with me to Montgomery, Alabama in 1994 when an elderly woman is robbed at gunpoint in her home. She comes upon a prowler drunk in the dark. He takes $50 and pummels her in the paper the next day. Arising from her hospital bed, she said, I've been through a lot. I think this country is raising a generation of hooligans, but she lived 10 years later. Do you know her? She lived until October of 2005. She's part of your vocal endowment. Maybe December 1st, 1955 will give you a clue. She resisted. She sat in the back of a bus, Rosa Parks, and she would not be moved as the old hymn said. And the bus stopped and the police came and the boycott began and the movement caught fire. You inherit a vocal endowment. You may not need it today. I couldn't be more serious about this. There will come a day. When our son was an undergraduate, he wanted a gift for Christmas. It's the only thing he asked for. It was a grill, a lean, mean, fat-reducing machine guaranteed to take three ounces off of every hamburger, $59.95. When I saw the uh, progenitor, the author of the grill, I inflicted a story on my son because this is the George Foreman grill. <laughs> then I said, let me take you to November 2nd, 1974. This is for the alumni in the congregation. Kinshasa Zaire, the rumble in the jungle. Here is George Foreman, undefeated, world champion, strong, powerful, young, age 25, in one corner, and an aging, though guileful, 32-year-old, overweight, Ali in the other. No, I'm not promoting pugilism, but I want to show you about resistance, yours. Ali said, in typical minimal understatement, this will be the greatest spectacle the world has ever seen. And the crowd, Ali, boom, Ali, which antiseptically translated is, go get him, big guy. But he didn't. With some help from Angelo Dundee and some loose ropes, he leaned back. He whispered in the third round, one round, two, and the pummeling of the strong man of this world, and he resisted against the ropes. He said, he doesn't hurt me. He doesn't hurt me much. Later he said, the bull is stronger, but the matador is smarter. Fourth round, fifth round, he resisted, waiting. We're on the ropes in some places in this country, the historic church is on the ropes over four decades. 
fourth round, fifth round. You know height and beauty and tradition. Tradition is the living faith of dead, is the, is the living faith of dead people. Traditionalism is the dead faith of living people. That tradition embodied here. Sixth round, Ali leaning back. What a harsh pummeling. But he resisted, and as Matthew 12, 29 says, when the strong man of this world is bound, then the kingdom of heaven may enter. And the eighth round. Who could have thought? Two rights and a left, and for the first time ever, down went Foreman. Ali said later, I didn't forget my people. I don't neglect to talk to strangers, to answer questions, to kiss the children in my neighborhood. I, I don't forget my people. The resistance along the ropes, that long-suffering, sixth, seventh, there's an eighth round coming, if you'll hang on. Now I can tell that Tom or someone in the balcony has an objection or two. You might say, Dean Hill, resistance isn't always all that holy, is it? And you might be partly right. Not every resistance is so. Some is petulant and immature and arrogant and selfish. But you know the real thing, how? through long-suffering. You watch the light and salt of those about you. Or someone in the choir, it could be Dr. Jarrett or Mr. Blackwell will say, well, you know, we're not really of that uh, stripe. I'm not Mahatma Gandhi. I'm not Martin Luther King. I'm not Albert Camus. I'm just an ordinary person trying to finish my biology course. You know, the most important resistance is very quotidian, very ordinary. It's right here. Worship for an hour is a resistance to flagrant misuse of time. Giving, tithing, generosity, is a resistance to the notion that everything I have I came up with only and entirely by myself. Faithfulness and friendship, partnership and marriage is resistance to a neglect of promise and covenant. The Ten Commandments, the first three, encourage our resistance to idolatry, the second two to our resistance to pride, and the last five to our resistance to selfishness. Very ordinary. We're in a time, according to Christian Smith, whose book Lost in Transition I do recommend, in which emerging adulthood, for all its glories and light and beauty, has a dark side, and he names it in five fingers of moral vacuity, of consistent inebriation, of material greed, of amoral sexuality, and of, among maybe highest among them, a, a lack, a nonchalance about the hurts of others. But then he says, I'm looking toward the back of the congregation here, 
Where did these issues come from? They came from the older generation itself. This isn't about emerging adulthood. This is about the character of faithfulness in adulthood itself. There may come a time when you need to draw on that tradition of principled resistance, perhaps even soon. We have gathered today to honor and remember, and so we conclude by remembering this tradition of principled resistance. And we remember in 350 before the Common Era, Philip of Macedon, who'd conquered every city in Greece, but he came to Laconia, to Sparta. They wouldn't back down, so he sent them a note saying, if I come, I will wage war. If I wage war, I will conquer. If I conquer, I will sack, pillage, and burn. And they sent back a very short reply. Do you remember it? If. So the word laconic. Behold, a vocal endowment of endless beauty. We began with Jerusalem, and so there we shall end with this hope. And did those feet in ancient time walk upon England's mountains green? And was the holy Lamb of God in England's pleasant pastures seen? And did the countenance divine shine forth upon these clouded hills? And was Jerusalem builded here among these dark satanic mills? Bring me my bow of burning gold. Bring me my arrow of desire. Bring me my spear, O clouds unfold. Bring me my chariot of fire. I shall not cease from mental fight, nor shall my sword sleep in my hand till we have built Jerusalem in this green and pleasant land. We have come to the time in the service where we have a chance to offer up our prayers, our hopes, our dreams, our fears, and our concerns to God. I invite you to come to the altar, to stand, to kneel, to sit, remain in your seats, however you feel comfortable. Wherever you are, however you feel, welcome. The altar is open. Please join us in our call to prayer.
Loving Lord, singing Lord, our Lord. As morning breaks, we look to you to be our strength this day. It is in you that we live and move and have our being. Even on days when the seasons overlap and our hands are shivering, we thank you for the gift of life, this world we live in, and a warm space in which to worship you. Strengthen the witness of your church throughout the world, not in power, but in unity and in truth. We acknowledge the harm we have done on this Reformation Sunday, and we ask your guidance as we strive to live together in your love, always asking new questions, seeking new understanding, and being merciful to all who yearn for this understanding. Guide us, Lord God, those of every land and nation in the ways of justice and peace. We strive for our deeds to follow our words, that we may honor one another and serve the common good in humble service to you. Comfort those who suffer in body, mind, or spirit, and give them courage and hope in their troubles. May we continue to learn to serve Christ in them, loving each other and striving for the joy of your salvation. We offer these prayers through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.
peace of the Lord be always with you. My name is Rachel Cape, and I am the new director of hospitality here at Marsh Chapel. We welcome you once again to the nave and hope that you will take a moment to help us get to know you better so that we can help you get to know one another better by putting your name and contact information in the red books found along the center of each pew. We also want to again extend a special welcome to all the alumni here with us for Alumni Weekend. Next week is Potluck Sunday, and we invite you to contribute as you like. We hope to see you all there. Now to Dr. Scott Jarrett for a special music announcement. So when you bring your potluck hot dish, you should bring it at 9.45 for next week's Bach experience. Uh, the chapel choir, musicians of the chapel choir and collegium will present next uh, Sunday morning in our Bach experience time and then again in the context of the liturgy in the 11 a.m. service, cantata number 105. And uh, our Bach experience is a, is a time when we can deconstruct the music a little bit, provide some musical examples, and hopefully enhance your experience of the cantata in the hour of liturgy at 11. And then a moment of refreshment and breakfast together with the musicians at 10.15 before worship begins. Hope you'll come bring your potluck. Thank you, Scott. Uh, lastly, a reminder that next week is daylight savings time, so don't forget to turn your clocks back an hour. For all other upcoming services and activities, we would encourage you to keep an eye on the Marsh Chapel website, bu.edu chapel, where you may also find the opportunity for online giving. Now walk in love as Christ loved us and offering and sacrifice to God.
ever-present God, with this offering we present also ourselves, to the end that your will may be done on earth as it is in heaven. Through Christ, amen. powers so wonderfully sheltered, confidently waiting, come what may, we know that thou art with us night and morning, never fails to greet us each new day. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up the light of his countenance upon you and give you peace now and forever. <laughs>